Clubhouse. Attention all passengers. The temperature outside is minus 119 degrees Celsius. We are six years, nine months, and 26 days from departure. For your personal safety, be prepared to brace. This is Paul. And this is Kat with Chef Online. And tonight we're here to talk about the seventh episode of the first season of TNT's Snowpiercer. This one is called The Universe is Indifferent. I tried looking that up because last week uh, I asked you the same thing. I asked you like, what does the title mean? And you said, I don't know, but I think you do. And I said, I don't know either. And (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want that to happen this time. Uh, But this one's a lot easier. I found... Just a lot of references to it. There's even a book called The Universe is Indifferent, but it's like a madman. You know how people write books about TV shows sometimes that kind of tie in larger philosophical questions, I guess. Oh, yeah. And they did one about madmen? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, that doesn't that, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you the episode, but doesn't that sound like the sort of thing Don Draper would say? The universe is indifferent. Yeah, while he's uh, presenting his ad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or justifying advertising as a legitimate means of income or whatever. I also saw a quote from Stanley Kubrick where the universe being indifferent is a paraphrase of a whole paragraph of stuff where it's just a matter of realizing that the universe is indifferent and then finding a way to make your life within it useful and beneficial. So bleak outlook, but hope is possible. (laughs) Given the way this episode went, I think that is pretty accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I think it ties in to pretty much everything that Melanie did in this episode. And like her rationale for being able to live with her actions. I think I've been saying this for every episode, like in the last few episodes, but we learned even more about Melanie um, because I've been asking the question about whether... Is she good? Is she bad? Is she just one of those people that needs to get stuff done for the better of society, that kind of thing? And unfortunately, that means making really hard choices. And I think this episode really answered that. Like the moments she had uh, throughout the episode, like with Josie and at the very end, I don't know. There was a lot, right? Because it was a lot of, like, it was a lot of, uh, just with her character itself, like, she you see her being powerful but you see her also having the weak moment of like fuck i had to do that but it's what i need to do because then at the very end when you know she, she we learn it's like that's what needs to be done so um i found that very compelling though it was really good and i think like i said it before too um jennifer connelly she was so good in this one like the look she was giving the everything she had to do in this episode was I can't imagine anyone else in her role, to be honest. I can't. I don't keep track too closely to like television directors and DPs and and all that kind of stuff. But you do notice sometimes in an episode of TV where they go a little off the norm, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I think this was one of those episodes, like when you're talking about the way the camera treated Jennifer especially, or Melanie, if you want to go by character names, <laughs> they showed her close up and from different angles that you didn't, you haven't seen her from in this show mm-hmm. so far. She's always been kind of framed in that hospitality uniform in a very certain way. And this 
you got to look at her in several different ways. And all of it was both vulnerable seeing, uh, you know, everybody likes to be presented by in, in like a, a like the, the, their good side, if you will. But we got to see like kind of every side <laughs> of her. Yeah. But the, but in that vulnerability, she really projected mostly strength, except for when she's throwing up because she can barely live with what she's doing. Yeah, and that's very interesting because when you mentioned the frames and um, the way the way they were showing her in this episode um, with that vomiting, she they're showing it from a high angle, which you know, kind of looking down at her. Yeah, and that also just seems like what have you done kind of thing. Like mm. I, I don't know, it's kind of Good a little call. bit of a judge judgment in that sense. Yeah. Of uh, so yeah, that that totally makes sense. And I did I was gonna also comment on the the direction and cinematography of this because it was very different uh, than the other episodes, but I really enjoyed it. Like I feel this season has just kept getting better in my opinion. And I hope people have stuck with it because it's becoming something that's really um, not where I thought it was going to be. And uh, the last few have been really cool. And then the way this one ended um, and the, and the, the direction of it, like you mentioned, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like stepping up in some way, which I don't. I don't know um, if you feel that way, but for me, it's really exciting to see how it's going to end up. <laughs> now that we're seven episodes in, yeah, definitely. I don't want to belabor the the photography on this one, but something about the the way that the night car was shot um, in this yeah. episode, in comparison, it it had a certain warmth and. Um, kind of Vaseline on the lens sort of feeling uh, mm-hmm. that that I didn't get in, in the other episodes that like everything with Miss Audrey um, felt softer and kind of glowier. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know the right terminology, but that, but something about it just felt uh, glossy. Not, no, that's not the right word. Um, do, do you know the, the texture that I'm trying to describe? Did you, did you see it? Yeah, um, like a sheen. Yeah, of. that's it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, she she come it. She's the opening um, act where she's kind of doing her thing, and um, yeah, that kind of set the tone I think for the whole episode. And also, um, I don't know. I think that the, the the photography is a big deal in though this one because it was just so striking and so different than the other episodes, um, and really plays to what happens like in certain scenes. Mm-hmm. And also, I think why it was so noticeable is because there was a lot of different scenes and usually in the in the other episodes there's only been like kind of a few cars this yeah. one there was like white there was dark um there was the night car that seemed a little um you know it was like kind of the glowy feeling and then there was like the aquarium where it was so bright and uh different so i think it was it was just really interesting because there was a lot of different scenery that we hadn't seen before like they were able to kind of like we had seen some of those cars, but they just transformed them in some way. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even notice the variety of cars, but yeah, we saw Pelton's place and we saw the drawers again and we saw the chains again and we saw the night car again and we saw the tail again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we saw Melanie's, I, I marked it down as her public office because she, <laughs> she clearly yeah. has a few different things, but that, that was actually more of an interrogation room as it turns out. Yeah. Did, did you notice yeah. that? Like the desk had the bar for the for the um, handcuffs. 
I'm jumping ahead quite a bit, uh, but that's that's something you notice in like you know NYPD Blue <laughs> kind of stuff. You know, a place to hook in the the handcuffs. You got to have that on every table. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Mister Wilford planned ahead. <laughs> yeah, I know we've kind of gotten all over the place, but that was like kind of the overall general thoughts of this episode because those were very um, like kind of striking things about this one. Uh, this one opens up with another um, side character giving the cold open narration. This side character was LJ, who's not exactly as side as some of the others that have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and hers was uh, very, very, very fitting for her. I thought it was about man, the uh, kind of its self-centered nature that it has to work really hard to shake free of or just never does a person just never leaves that sort of self-centered i'm the middle of the universe kind of outlook that they're born with unless they really try for it yeah it was interesting that she was the one to do that speech right i think (laughs) right because she's the sociopath (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) who's she to tell us (laughs) yeah it's like she's already on a different like she's not only indifferent but she's like a whole other thing but i guess that's kind of the universe right it's like if if you can't really control something um and she's one of she's just like kind of the ultimate curveball in some ways because she has i mean we're assuming she's sociopathic given all the actions she has done i think it's safe to say she is on some sort of level of a sociopath um right so in that sense she doesn't have emotion she's looking at all of this through just like I don't know, um, just having fun sort of thing. And then everyone else is like actually trying to survive and get through this. And she's just like having a good old time. So it's weird that she was the intro for that. But it's also, I think, in some ways kind of perfect. And then that first scene in the in the engine with Javi, I don't know that Javi is exactly paying attention to what is going on around him if he actually says to Melanie that he thinks that they should just come clean about this whole Mr. Wilford thing. I was like, Javi has like, he, he doesn't get out much, does he? Because he must not. Like, I think he's only talking to Melanie and um, what's the other, the Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. And I think he has just a very, like you can tell though, he has a moral compass because he knows it's not right. Um, kind of like best, but he really can't do anything and he is an engineer and like i think we learn at the very end not to skip ahead but like in if you're an engineer it's not just like tech stuff like it's kind of a like you've kind of sold your soul a little bit and like you don't get to make moral decisions so it's interesting that he is still doing that because if he's in that position he should already know like that's the way it is like they melanie is Wilford because of necessity and whatever, and to keep the train going. Right. And I feel like he's going to get cut at some point because he's just kind of, <laughs> he, he's been doing that, uh, like back talking Melanie um, and Bennett for a little bit. Uh, just like, he's the one telling them this isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this, like all this stuff. And I'm like, I think his time is ticking on the, on Snowpiercer. What do you think? I, when I, when he yes i short answer yes i agree when i heard him say that again then i saw the way the rest of the episode played out and how desperately she wants to apparently keep a lid on this secret that is now going to be out um javi's 
I mean, he, it's like he's just not paying attention. He's, you know how they say, read the room? That is the yeah. opposite of what he's doing. <laughs> he's not reading the train. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And there's only three people allowed in his, his area. So um, that's a bad job, Javi. Yeah, he's interesting because he's just been bits and pieces, but I feel like there's going to be something there. Like there was a lot of moving parts in this episode and he wasn't necessarily like a, a big part of it, no. but I feel like they have been emphasizing him a lot. So I feel like he's going to do something um, that will be at play later, maybe later in the season. I, I could, hope so. I could definitely see him being an inside man um, mm -hmm. susceptible to the revolution. I don't see him... If, you know, however this show ends, I, I don't see him living to get there. Yeah, yeah. He's going to either, he's going to die doing something stupid or he's going to die trying to do something heroic and it's not going to work out either way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, what you were saying though, um, that's jumping ahead a little bit, but it the idea of the engineers and the way that their their lives become dominated by what they do... Um, like Bennett's devotion to Melanie and how she defines engineering seems total, like 100%. Mm -hmm. um, and that reminds me of college. Uh, you mentioned that you started out as an engineering student. Yep. And I did also. And <laughs> um, I switched because I failed out. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, after, after doing some time at a community college, I got a letter from UT that said, you can come back, but you can't be an engineer. And um, I, it, it was then that I, that I found out that I just wasn't ready to dedicate like such a huge percentage of my life to this, this thing, you know, learning math, learning science, all that stuff that you need to do to become an engineer. Mm -hmm. I, I just wasn't willing to do it. But I met those that were, and they had a similar mentality. They, um, to to what uh, Melanie's proposing. I know it's end of the world kind of stuff, so it's kind of a different scale. But mm -hmm. when you're in college and you say Do you want to come play video games, and the guy says, <laughs> "No, I want to be an engineer." <laughs> Literally, that's his <laughs> answer. So, he, so he's got to stay up studying that night. Um, it's kind of it. It. it it's not far fetched as, as I think the um, the idea that I'm trying to get across here. What did you find? Did you uh, did your journey through engineering um, go anything like that? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's definitely a lot of sacrifice. Um, and I did have those questions too with people of like you know we would we would be going out and they're like oh I have a test tomorrow and I was like oh so do I. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So I think, yeah, that maybe could be the difference as well as like, it, it, it does. And I, and I honestly, if people are going to be engineers, I think I want them to have the mindset of that way because they're building our bridges. They're making our electrical components. They're doing all that, you know, the, the stuff um, that's really important and also has to be done well. You can't shortcut that stuff. Right. And when it, if you shortcut it, then, you know, people die um, or bad things happen. So I think in some ways, I guess it's that kind of question as well, just in terms of not only engineering, but science of like, I feel like that's been portrayed in media a lot. It's like, they're either really like just on point and they can't have like social stuff or whatever, which I didn't, I, I met a lot, like a lot of my friends 
um, did have social lives, but I think they also sacrificed a lot in order to become engineers like kind of Melanie does. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. It's not too far fetched. Um, if the scope is, is, uh, you know, bigger cause you know, the people in college, they were just going to get a job and also their scope is, is important, but her scope is I'm saving the world. So yes, it, 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 right. it's, it's, I don't need my friends. I don't need to go out tomorrow. You know, like I need to do this. And if I, that means, um, you know, beg, uh, letting first class do whatever. So they don't like, um, you know, mess up my equation of like what I'm trying to get to or whatever, you know, like that makes so much sense of how she's, um, been navigating Snowpiercer and like the way she's been running it because yeah, she's running it very strategically, um, and very, uh, engineer-like, you know, she's weighing, she weighs the pros and cons, uh, and sees how it's going to work out. Right. So it's funny you mentioned, uh, equations because in this episode, um, they announced to the train that they're promoting miles like right now to become an apprentice engineer because they lost that engineer during the repair sequence last week. Um, which speaks to that balance that Melanie has been talking about this whole time. Um, they're down one engineer, they need to grow another one. Uh, but when he, when she said that, and then I, then I remembered how I felt when Javi was sort of lipping off, I was wondering <laughs> if Miles might be replacing him. <laughs> and they, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, when you were talking about Javi earlier and right now, I was like, oh, I think Miles could also be his replacement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be a two for one. <laughs> All right, so the next little bit of storyline that starts out is with Ruth. And there were some things revealed in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this if, this. if there's like A and B plots in a show, this one was the C plot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there were some things that were revealed from past episodes that we had minor questions about that we had made some guesses about that we guessed a little wrong. Um, for instance, the, the commander I had bet would basically just follow the regs until they just didn't make any sense anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't figure that that would be now. Um, <laughs> I didn't figure that he would side with the coup. Yeah, that was really interesting. I didn't think that either. Surprising. Um, and even more surprising that Ruth, despite, you know, having some philosophical disagreements with the way Melanie is leading right now, um, didn't join in right away. So that, I think, I think you're supposed to leave this episode wondering where ruth stands did or or was it more um concrete for you i mean we've talked about how ruth is very loyal and she's one of those that you know if she learned that melanie is wilford we we have discussed that we think it would break her yeah um because she has been doing things um like that's that's who she is she is sort of engineer like in that sense right um duty is 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 important for her and well, Which she's, I, she's I, just British. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I guess so because she uh, her 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 occupation we learned in this episode was was running an air was a, running a B and B. Yeah. So that doesn't like the way she acts is like, I mean, I guess she's in management, but it just I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot of loyalty for a B and B owner. 
Um, You're totally right, though. Um, she may still be on the fence, but that secret's going to come out like next episode. And boy, that that's almost like a that's almost like a gimme prediction that that will break her. Like you said, that will she'll she'll <laughs> go knock on the commander's door and be like, "I'm in." Yeah, because she's already been questioning. Um, I mean, it hasn't been like in your face, but there's been little subtle notes where we've talked about where she um, has told Melanie, "Oh, is Wilfred okay? Like, what's going on?" And and um, she she has questioned to a to a degree of you know respectfully, like what is what the decision the the decisions that haven't made sense, right? That she thinks is kind of off. Mm -hmm. um, and then when they plant the seed, like the Folgers plant the seed in her, like, oh, would you want to take over? Um, she's like, oh, you know, the first reaction is, of course, she's a, she's a dutiful. So she's like, no, of course not. Right. Like she leaves right away. And yeah. like, that's, that's kind of like, that's madness. Right. Um, but then when Melanie lashes out at her and just tells her, like, you know, kind of puts her in her place. I think that's when like the look in her eye in that scene was like, oh, this bitch, you know, like, <laughs> like I just defended you from a coup and like was, was on your side. And then you're doing this to me. Like, I think all of that is, yeah, I think in the next episode, if she does learn the secret, like it's done, you know, like, and then she's going to maybe take over. I don't know if she even wants that power though. I think she's really, she plays a role really well in, in, in being kind of like the right hand woman in some ways, even though she doesn't have, I would call Bennett more of the right hand woman, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, no, I think you're right. I think she, yeah. she may, you know, assume leadership of the train because of, you know, these, these things going on behind the scenes, but you are right. She, you know, running a B and B is, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that responsibility exactly to keep people happy and, and all that kind of stuff, but that's what it boils down to. And this is different. Melanie is, you know, breaking body parts off of people to keep things running smoothly. And I don't, you know, I don't know that Ruth is, is, is there. There was a lot of those little, um, I don't know, tensions rising, right? Like even more so, I think like if there's meters going on, like there's a lot of people who are just their meters either got full, like broke or they're getting there. And I think that's probably going to be the last uh, like as we as we go to the the season finale of like just seeing where people are breaking and and <laughs> where they where they choose to to land and all that stuff. So yeah, I think there was a lot of those A B C D plots <laughs> in this one. Tied in with the B plot is another uh, appearance for Terrence. Um, mm -hmm. I I didn't realize it until until uh, I was putting my notes together, but Terrence didn't know that Melanie knew about him. That that wasn't really like, it was clear in the episode, but it didn't register until afterwards. I was like, wait a second. Uh, he thought he was, he was flying under the radar and she knew all about him without even really needing to ask around. <laughs> and, and I thought that was, that was interesting. She really knows more about the, the, the train and, and clearly lets some of this stuff happen because um, you have to. I, I guess you have. Yeah. Part of society. Yeah. People will go too crazy. I think if you don't let them do that sort of stuff in a in, to an extent. Right. It's it's like uh, it's like when Neo talks to the architect, right? And he's like, um, I forget how many 
Zion revolutions there's been, but you know they they, they let Zion happen, and then they then they kill it, and then they <laughs> then, then they yeah. then they restart it again, and they they and the machine knows, and that's the same kind of deal here. Yeah, I mean it's it's why they also have the night car. You know they gotta they gotta let that kind of um, let the humans run run do what they need to do, <laughs> get out the tensions and all that stuff. So with Terrence, we've had our own predictions about whether or not he would be of any team-up value for Andre. And if that is true, it wasn't true yet. <laughs> <laughs> the most he said he would do is not pick favorites, which meant that he wasn't going to sell them out, but he wasn't going to help either. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, but don't you think, though, if there was a time to sell them out, and he knows he knows the secret or something, um, that would probably be a very opportune time for Terrence to sell him out, especially since he just found out that um, Melanie knows that he does what he's doing. So um, I think for me, I, I want to say that Terrence is more team, um, I guess, laden in the revolution than he is team Melanie. But I will say he is probably one of those sneaky persons that would maybe side to Melanie's side if he needed to and maybe not play his cards till the very end but I feel like deep down he is a little bit um on the revolution side what do you think I think you're probably right I think it's it's something like um he's he's not gonna do anything until it's he's pretty sure he knows who the winner is gonna be and I don't even know what winning exactly looks like in this situation but yeah, surviving. <laughs> yeah, well, he he got off the chopping block with Melanie, um, and that was all he needed that day. And, you know, if it turns out that Andre's side wins this revolution thing, then he doesn't want to be, you know, strung up because he sided with Melanie early on. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's slippery, but he's he's like a... He's like a Peter Baelish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does remind me of, of that. Like, he's just very opportune, uh, opportune moments. And uh, he was like, yeah, well, I don't trust him. But <laughs> I got, I mean, what else, what else do I have? So he has access and what he needed. So um, even Andre is kind of like, I don't really fully trust that he's on our side, but you've got to do what you got to do. Yeah, well, he has influence. So they had to talk to mm -hmm. him. Speaking of Andre, the staging of that last scene between him and Josie, where they kind of give one last look to each other, knowing that, that they're probably not going to see each other for a while. Now we know that a while is going to be forever. Um, oh, yeah. I guess IMDb was wrong, so that makes me hopeful about not all the IMDb credits. <laughs> yeah, they misled us. Yes. Um, when you saw that moment there, did you think that would be it? Did, was there enough, was there enough in that last lingering look between the two, um, for you to know Josie's done at that point? Or was it just more like looking back on it? You're like, ah, okay. They did spend a few extra seconds hugging and, and looking at each other and on TV, that's never a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I should have known. Actually, I think I was really going off of the IMDb, which they got me um, because it's, <laughs> she was she was listed as 10 episodes. But now that I think about it, I mean, she could be 
they could use that as like flashbacks or whatever. But um, so I really was not thinking um, I should have used my TV brain, um, like all the hours, like hundreds of hours of television I watched to know that, yeah, it was probably the end for her. Um, and then everything she was, she was very prominent in this episode um, with oh, the yeah. Miles subplot in the Taylor section and she was everywhere. So I guess it was kind of a farewell episode. Um, just she was playing her part. Um, and I think we were right on that prediction of between Zara and Josie, who was going to sell out and who was actually loyal to Andre. Um, you know, it was Josie 100%. And Zara, when they, it got hard, she sold sold them out. So I liked that Josie definitely was loyal to the end. But I'm sad that she did go. Her character was really cool. And I, I'm sad that... Uh, I don't know. I think Andre's just going to use that as motivation now, too. Because if Melanie's... I don't know what her, her intention was for that. But I guess it was to kind of pull him out of where he's hiding. But definitely killing Josie is not the best way if you wanted to get him like kind of calm and all that. But I just didn't see it coming. And so it actually hit me pretty hard at the end. And I was I was sad. And I really, though, enjoyed the way it went out with the freezing. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, you'd, you'd think you wouldn't want to have too many of those nozzles <laughs> in your car since they appear to be pretty quickly deadly i know it's like that was really scary because i hate being cold so to me that death and the the way they kill people and torture people on snowpiercer is like my ultimate fear of like being cold to death <laughs> literally <laughs> good thing you <laughs> live in austin death. i know yeah there's no there's no um it's not cold often there, yeah there's no chance of that but even <laughs> like even now though i was like it's been 74 in our apartment i think it's so hot outside that it feels really cold in here and, and me and my husband were like are you cold? And we're like, it's 74. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so I would not, la- the The point is here, I would not last on Snowpiercer and I would probably give up all the names <laughs> if I'm threatened by nozzle of freezing death. Uh, yeah, I mean, Josie, tough, tough woman. Speaking of Zara, though, you mentioned the betrayal there. The opening uh, montage had Zara um, looking at a little sonogram picture. Um, so I guess, you know, that technology is on the train. I didn't know that that would come into play right right away in terms of uh, leverage against Zara. That's pretty... I mean, we've we, in this episode, we've seen Melanie do some, some pretty nasty shit firsthand, but we've also seen her make some pretty low threats firsthand also. Mm-hmm. The implication being we can end that pregnancy if you don't tell me what i want to know now that i'm just thinking about it because there was so many like masterful like chess moves with melanie do you think they made up that pregnancy to make to kind of make zara a pawn so if she had to choose whether to betray andre or not she would think that she has the baby going so she's choosing the baby um and that future or do you think that's just like watching too many tv shows (laughs) um (laughs) I I haven't seen exactly that kind of intrigue on this one yet, but that doesn't mean it's not there. That doesn't mean I haven't noticed it or seen it yet. What makes me think that it's a real pregnancy is that that last that scene last week with her hand on her belly. That's usually the um, you know, I'm two weeks late sort of thing, and then <laughs> yeah, and then they go with the sonogram. I mean, I mentioned in the last podcast that I thought the 
real world timing of that was entirely too fast, wicked too fast. But here we are. That's what they're doing. So we just got to deal with it. And she's already got the, the, the sonogram picture. So that must have gone in the system. And since babies are a, um, not really a right of, of third class people, um, I, it probably came up on a, you know, like a TPS report on, on Melanie's desk. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe I'm just thinking too much, um, like, <laughs> like all the shows we've watched. We've been programmed now, like, what is that? Um, well, I, I keep thinking of Battlestar whenever I see this show um, in, a, in a lot of ways. And um, the Cylons did that kind of thing with Starbuck when they had her prisoner. And then another part of that show that made me curious was, did you did you finish Battlestar? No, I've only watched the first season. I need to finish it. You do need to finish it. All right. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's a character that kills another mm-hmm. character at the end that is kind of necessary for the ending to be complete. Like they have a plan that they need to follow. They need these certain people to do it. And one of them kills one of the other ones. And he does okay. it because that person killed his wife. And he, mm. he just goes nuts. And he, he just ends her. And that made me wonder, where does Andre wind up here? Is he going to blame Melanie for the first-hand role she played in killing Josie? Because he'll find that out at some point. Or Zara, because without Zara pointing her out, they might not have found Josie or they might not have found her so quickly. Like the timing of it might have been different. She might have been saved. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think he kills one of those two women eventually? Because this is TV. There's no such thing as just letting that kind of thing go. Someone usually dies <laughs> for this sort of thing. <laughs> well, I think that Zara might be saved because as as we know from television as well, pregnancy and like, oh, you have my baby. And then I think especially in this sense on Snowpiercer, since it is so rare and we saw Andre talk about you know, the reproduction rights from the Taylor section as well. Like, I think that's important to him. And I think he was thinking he would do it with Josie, but since that's not going to happen, it's still his kid. And since it it is something that's special in some way, like, uh, I think that will save Zara for maybe nine months. Um, And possibly, I mean, he probably wouldn't want the kid to not have a mother. So she might be saved just by that, that reason. Um, but Melanie, I think he's going out for blood unless she pulls out another secret that um, Andre is pretty logical as well. He's not an engineer, but I think he understands the reasoning why people do things because he's a detective. He might not agree with it, but I think he can kind of make those, um, you know, like put those together and kind of not be. I mean, but he is hot headed in that sense. But I think that's just from being on Snowpiercer and, the, and being mm-hmm. in the Taylor section and yeah. being treated like crap. Um but I get the sense that he is—he can weigh the pros and cons. And if Melanie comes up with some of her sciency stuff and the decisions of why she's done it and blah blah, um, I think he can maybe let her live. But I think the Josie thing was unnecessary, and I don't know if he's going to believe that it was kind of an accident. I mean, it wasn't an accident. Like she just wanted to hurt Josie. But she didn't expect Josie to like fight back, and then that whole thing happened, and like you know she had to save herself, right? So I think he's going to go for blood. I don't know. She she knows a lot more than she we've obviously um, seen. I think there's more secrets coming, and it could stop 
Andre from doing the ultimate, like killing her she, in some ways, right? She's very Ben Linus like in that. Yes. Oh my gosh, she is Ben Linus. Where Ben Linus is like the worst character, but also the best character in some ways. <laughs> yeah, and he was kind of king of making decisions that justifiably you you would just in the situation you're in if you're jack shepherd you definitely would be better off with this guy dead knowing what yes. you know up to that point and then he says oh by the way but if you want to if you want to do this thing that i know you really want to do you need <laughs> me to do it and he's right and so you got to keep him alive and you <laughs> just string together a few years of that and that's how oh you get a tv God, show yeah. <laughs> yeah i forgot about oh he was lost is one of my favorite shows and yeah that was that character was just uh, i wanted to kill him um but and there's always kind of one of those characters um in in these kind of uh not post-apocalyptic worlds but i guess in like uh these kind of like survival shows right because there's always somebody who's who has to make these decisions or the ones that are manipulating the situation um just because they need to survive but in this case i kind of even though i don't agree with what melanie's doing i kind of understand um, and I don't think there's anybody else right now that would be able to do the decisions that she's done. Like, I think Snow Snowpiercer would have probably been donezo already. <laughs> like we've talked about with Melanie's character, she is a mix of archetypes that um, mostly seem to have included male characters on TV mm -hmm. up to now. and. Um, like with Ben Linus, for instance, he could go through all that, but then they, but they would also still kick the shit out of him routinely, you know? Yes, they would. Yeah. Like I could imagine being Michael Emerson as an actor and then, you know, serious about your craft and they're like, okay, you're going to do some of the best acting on TV, but you're also going to get thrown around like a monkey in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and your guy never really fights back. He's not really equipped for that, so he just takes it constantly. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay, I guess sign me up. Sure, why not? Yeah, and then the equivalent in Melanie's world is the verbal and the the snide remarks and the um, people telling her she doesn't know what she's doing, you know, or like basically saying, "Where's Wilford?" But is basically an insult to her because she's Wilford, mm -hmm. um, and just having to swallow that and be like these idiots so i think i that's another equivalent right to the beating up is that she definitely gets beat down a lot um not physically but mentally and i think in this episode we saw her have to make those hard decisions um because of people's actions where she i think she really doesn't want to be in that position um it would be easier if everyone was just in order and there was no chaos and she could just run the train, be the engineer self, but unfortunately, people aren't like that. They're not. Um, they're not easy to keep in line. So I think Ben was more. Ben Lioness is more like he enjoyed the manipulation, and I don't think Melanie enjoys being right and being like. I think she enjoys maybe being st strategic and knowing people's moves, but I don't know if she likes executing the things when people. Like when she's right about it, like the Josie thing, obviously mm -hmm. it affected her um, to have to do that to Josie. I think she probably respected Josie in some ways, right? For not giving it up. So it 
I think that's where the difference is in, 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 in like the archetypes that you're talking about and those, the villains of a super trope. She doesn't fit any of the mold of anything of a leader or the, the leaders that we've seen on TV. Right. She's very multidimensional and it's, it honestly makes for a better character because we don't know what she's going to do and we don't really know how she's feeling um, because she's a little bit of everything. The scene with um, Josie pretending to be a nurse, mm -hmm. what do you suppose that off-camera thing was that she told Miles that he needed to do? Oh, I don't know. That one is really... I... I'm excited to see what it is, but I would, I would guess that it's something uh, maybe with the train, um, maybe to mess something up, maybe to, or maybe to um, get into the booth and make an announcement that Melanie's Wolford, I don't know, um, something like that, because I don't know what, what he can actually do or where he's gonna have access to right now. So I wonder what they're anticipating that he's he's going to be able to pull off. What do you think? I don't know either, but I th I thought it might have something to do with locating and collaborating with Andre since he's loose. Um, by loose, I mean like out of the tail and unaccounted for. Um, I don't know what that would mean. He's only a kid. There's you can't really you know expect adult stuff out of a, out of a kid, no matter how smart they are. They you know, it's just not going to happen, but they were like a little family, you know? So it seemed like she might've, she might've had some inkling that she was on a one way mission. She didn't want it to be, but she knew that she might be. So to me, it makes sense that she would say something about find your dad <laughs> at some point, um, as one of the last things she would want him to do. But I don't know. You you might be onto something with manipulating the train in some way because no other tail person that we know of so far would have that kind of access. I'm not sure what benefit that would be, but um, you know, it would be something to take advantage of because no one else could do it. You're still muted. Whoops, sorry. Um, so I think also it seems too easy though and um, the whole Miles subplot and I feel like uh, Melody it, being the master strategic thinker that she is and the way she's able to plan ahead on people's actions, she has to know and there's no, there's no, um, there is a reason why she chose Miles to fast track him. It's obviously because of the connection to Andre and Josie. So that was to kind of pull them out because they wanted, they probably were like, what is this? You know, and they were going to be, she was probably hoping that would get uh, maybe them to be out and about. But also maybe she wants to know how they're going to use Miles. Don't you think? Like maybe they, she anticipates that they've told him something to do, that he's not truly loyal. Um, well, there is that. Maybe. Um... Like she, she, she told Bennett to, to get him out of school, but then not basically not let miles out of his sight all day. And I think that served a couple purposes. One was to make sure that he didn't, you know, mix with anyone like a tailie unaccounted for, but another, I thought, and this is more sinister 
was relating to um, what she had in store for Josie and possibly needing Bennett to bring the boy for leverage um, mm-hmm. into that into that meeting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think. I honestly thought the Miles thing was for for uh, Andre to come out, and she was going to use that against them. And then um, I thought Josie was going to be used more against Andre, like come out and we'll get you. But I guess on the train, there's not really you can't announce it through the speaker because then everyone's going to know, and there's no cell phone. So <laughs> I guess I guess it definitely makes more sense of the way it played out. But yeah, I I definitely thought Miles and Josie were going to be used against Andre in a different way than it played out, but. I kind of enjoyed the way it did and miles is tbd on what his role is <laughs> i hope he survives though <laughs> <laughs> yeah no kidding we did make a good call last week on the idea of melanie and josie squaring off as opposite sides of miles mother coin if you'll mm-hmm. if you'll allow that uh, <laughs> um yeah and I didn't really expect that battle to come so soon. Yeah, <laughs> with such finality. Um, but I mean, Melanie even addresses it. She, he's in my family now. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit surprising because I was like, "Where is she going with the whole?" Miles lost his mom while coming on the train. Then I became his mom. I was like, "Why would you think that Melanie would care about that if she's obviously going to torture you and she put Andre in a drawer?" Um, so she was, I think she was trying to use kind of maybe the, the woman card of like, Hey, don't let this kid go out with a mom. But like, I don't know if that was going to be the right way to play, um, Melanie. I don't know. That was interesting. I think one of the major reasons that Josie died in this way, in this episode might have been to serve Bess Till's character. Mm, Yeah. And turning her from you know straddling the fence of thinking things aren't fair to i can't believe melanie just killed this woman and Mm -hmm. i think i i think she's pretty much at least like i would say 80 20 pro revolution at this point what do you think yeah i i think she is definitely um all in with the revolution because their her and Josie's little um, conversation was all about like what's do the right thing even if there are consequences and that's what Josie died on um, and I think Till really um, took that to heart and she saw it all play out and she saw kind of uh, and she saw the you know the Andre in the drawer and that 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 wasn't really justice and what she thought was going on and. Um, I think she's going to be definitely an ally of the revolution, but I also, with her being in that kind of situation and her just moving a second, um, and she had that conversation with Jinju, what, what is it? What's her name? Jinju. Um, Jinju. So she had that conversation with, with Jinju at the beginning where we kind of were right on that about Jinju being Melanie's inside woman mm-hmm. in some ways yeah. and like she she was gonna be like what do you know you need to tell me and it, those were all just signs of hey i need to tell melanie she's my number one um kind of person and, and i will choose her over you in some ways right that's what i got from the conversation mm-hmm. um so i think with all of that i think it's just it was a perfect um i, think, I don't know the perfect blend of 
okay, if she was on the edge a little bit, she was definitely already, she moved to the revolution side with everything that happened, which is just a, it is a departure from when we met her at the beginning of the season. But I think there was some, some seeds planted there anyway um, of goodness, I guess, because you get into whatever they're in security to kind of be good, but it wasn't, what she's found out is not aligning with what I think she thought she was in. Another thing that Josie's death does for this show is it gives us a major death kind of right away, um, which going back to, uh, I keep mentioning Lost, but that was one thing about Lost that made the show very watchable, despite whatever anybody ever says about anything about the ending, blah, blah, blah. You still watched it <laughs> all those years. And the, I think part of the reason was no one was safe. You couldn't tell who was going to make it. And people would come on the show and they would seem to be very important. And then, you know, one second later, they're hanging from a fan. Um, and <laughs> five minutes ago, they were the most important person on the show, you know? Yeah. And so that tells us, that tells me that this is a show that's willing to take major characters, kill them, or build them up, kill them. And that, that tells me that this show is going to have higher stakes. Like one thing that, um, like for instance, I've been watching um, Person of Interest. Do you ever watch Person of Interest? No, I haven't watched that. You told me about it. I need to watch. Is it a good one to watch? It is good, but there's a problem with it. And it's that pretty much week in, week out, they save the day. They're sort of like the A-team. They always win, mm. you know? And... Um, that makes the stakes of any given episode comparatively low. That makes it so that some episodes are very important for, for moving the meta plot, but some episodes are bottle episodes are definitely that way. And you can just, you know, fold your laundry, not really pay attention. Nothing earth shattering is going to be said or done in this episode. Um, and that lowers the stakes for the whole show overall. And here, we have, and that's a 22 episode per season show. So you, you definitely have fluff here. We have a 10 episode per season show. Can't have fluff seven episodes in major character. We kill him. makes the show. I mean, I'll miss Josie, but that makes the show a better show for me. I like, mm -hmm. I like higher stakes shows. I liked game of Thrones for that reason. I liked lost for that reason. Um, Westworld too. Westworld. Right. I like all those shows that build up characters, make you think they're important, and then bam, they're gone. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, I uh, before Lost, it was just kind of you knew there was five main characters and they were always going to um, somehow survive, and that was kind of eh. Um, <laughs> and I think I think Lost was one of the blueprint shows for Game of Thrones, Westworld, and shows like this now, like Snowpiercer, where. It, it really showed that the audience will stay with you. And even Game of Thrones, when, I mean, Sean Bean dies at the end of the first season, that was major because I loved his character, Ned Stark. And then when they kill him, it's like, oh, do you think people are going to come back for season two? And it's like, yes, they will. And they will, more people will come back because you, <laughs> you just did that. Yeah. So I like, I like the, uh, it, it's funny that there's more shows that don't do that because, to me, that is more compelling because when you get in the gist of like, oh, this is, they're always going to save the day. Sort of like I've had that fatigue with uh, like uh, the superhero movies. Like I love all the superhero movies like Marvel and all that. 
but sometimes when I'm watching that, I'm like, yes, it might be messy. There might be people that, you know, um, they might get hurt or whatever, but it's always like, they're going to survive. And like in, in one, they finally, after like 10 movies or 20 movies, they kill a major character. Yeah. But other than that, it was just fun, but it wasn't compelling. And that's the difference, right? So thinking Snowpiercer, the fact that Josie did die seven episodes in, that's exciting because, uh, who know who knows who else is going to be like i don't even know um if i I can't go by imdb but um i don't know it, it makes you feel like even melanie and andre aren't safe and that's a good place to be even though they're the leads and we probably know that they're going to be there for a while it just it definitely stakes is everything especially when there's so many shows on tv like if you're not doing anything different and you're just having the main four do whatever like it gets boring mm-hmm. really fast <laughs> so, did you ever watch I like did you ever watch orphan black I watched a few episodes. I haven't watched the whole thing. That was one you kind of have to decide you're going to invest in um, because the first one or two may not do it for you. But that one also had a similar, I mean, the uh, idea of you're not sure who's going to make it and, and, um, or who's going to be in a real bad way for a real long time, that kind of thing, or who will be forever different because of something done in the show. Um, yeah, that show had a lot of that and it had the same woman playing all those characters. So, uh, yeah. so that I, it's just marvelous to watch that kind of acting. But, um, beyond that, that also, I mean, that show is very twisty and turny and some of the stuff is a little goosey, but, um, largely though, that's another reason why it's very watchable for me is, is just the, you don't know who's going to make it. And, uh, now that Snowpiercer has that element, I think it continues to build on its case for being a, a compelling, good adaptation of the original material. Yeah, yeah, because the movie was very—you didn't know it was going to happen because it was so fast-paced. Everyone was like going here and there. It was—it was just kind of people were dying, and and yeah, I—it didn't. That's why I kept saying I said at the beginning that keep watching i hope people have kept watching this show because it's getting better yeah (laughs) um and yeah i i love a show that can can do that and not be afraid of making that choice because um it definitely is going to keep me watching and i love being in 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 the like the camp of you don't know what's going to happen because then i don't know that's the best part to be i think as a tv show if you're if the audience doesn't know who's going to survive or not so. Even though we don't know what's going to happen, now is the part of the podcast where we make our pointless predictions into what's going to happen next week. Um, my wrong predictions are <laughs> that the secret of Mr. Wilford, thanks to LJ in that last scene, is going to spread like crazy. And that will precipitate Ruth's having had enough and telling the commander and the Folgers, let's light it up. Let's go. And I think that's about as far as we're going to get next episode. Um, but, you know, I haven't been very right in any of these predictions. <laughs> what do you think might happen? Um, I think we're going to see Melanie even more full throttle on, on contingency plans. I feel like she is the master of contingency. So I feel... Like she has probably seen this coming in some way, if not calculated for it. So I want to say that hopefully we get to see a snippet of what her contingency plan is, whether that's 
possibly uh, unlocking um, maybe Wolford if he's frozen. That's like one of the predictions overall. But I think that there's like, I just want to, I, I, I think we're going to see that part of her now because she has to be on the defense now because she knows people are coming for her. Um, and if she doesn't know it now, she's going to know it in the, in the second episode because I agree with you on your prediction. And then I want to see what she's going to do because I feel like she's going to pull something out of her ass <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, and bring them back online. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what, how that plays out. Well, we'll be here next week to talk about it uh, when we do and uh, recount all the predictions that we got wrong and right. <laughs> mm-hmm. This has been Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.